This is Toko Chronicles, the official podcast of the Folklore Studies Program, College of Social Sciences and Philosophy, University of the Philippines, Diliman. We are Popo and I have with me Malu. In this episode, we are going to be discussing a cultural performance here in Tacloban City in Eastern Visayas called the Hair Dance. Uh, Malu and I are instructors from the Division of Humanities here in UPV Tacloban College. Uh, I took up MA Theater Arts in UP Diliman. I've been interested with this uh, topic since I became a member of the, actually even before I was a member of the Pintadas Foundation Incorporated because I was fond of watching the Pintadas Parade and this dance is featured there. Uh, maybe you can say something first about what is Pintadas Foundation Incorporated. Our listeners might be curious about yes, it. Yes, so uh, Pintadas Foundation Incorporated is actually an organization based here in Tacloban City and it seeks to preserve and even enhance the culture and heritage of Eastern Visayas, of Region 8. It, uh, sponsors a yearly uh, festival called the Pintadas Kasadjaan Festival. And in this festival, uh, there are a lot of schools for the Pintadas component who are, uh, which are invited to participate in the parade as delegates. So they're going to be performing a, a dance drama or a just a performance in honor of Senor Santo Nino. Uh, de Tacloban. And for the Kasadian component, schools or municipalities all over Region 8 are invited to also do performances, stage performances in honor of Senor Santo Nino. And the narratives are normally about how Senor Santo Nino was able to save their city from a plague or save their municipality from a disaster or how they came about becoming Christians in their community. How did you become interested in studying or documenting the hair dance performance in Tacloban City? You know, is it something that is of interest to you personally or, or otherwise? Okay, so I would always watch the Pintados Casadian Parade even as a little kid. And I would be taken by my aunts or any other relative or family member to the parade to watch. And I remember distinctly how there was this dance that caught my attention because it was, to me, quite unique. I would never see a performance that centered or focused on the hair. And since then, it has been like a guilty pleasure, yes, okay, guilty pleasure. to anticipate this dance with the hair. Uh, during the Pintados Kasadja and Parade. And then, fast forward to two, summer of 2009, I was invited by an older member, a senior member of a social civic organization in UP Tacloban called UP Runggian to assist in the Pintados Foundation Incorporated summer program for street children. And it was just one of the first uh, projects I did for Pintados Foundation as a volunteer. And then uh, 
after a few months or maybe just a few weeks, we were preparing now for the Pintadas Kasadian Festival. And I was assigned to be a marshal of Leyte National High School. These students would then serve as the dancers or performers for the SPA as, a, as the group is a delegate for the Pintados component of Pintados Casadian. And I was a marshal, I was actually holding the tarpaulin. And then I didn't know what they were going to dance. All I noticed was that they were wearing their long head hair free or unbound, unlike other dancers who would usually wear a bun. And then as the parade started, I noticed and then, you know, this memory of mine as a child was triggered. They were already dancing my favorite dance from many years before. And I'm saying this because it was three years since 2019 uh, when I last witnessed the parade. I got so excited. I kept on looking to the performers behind me. Each time they would whip their hair back and forth. And... From then on, I got interested as to, to know how this dance actually connects with the narrative of Senor Santo Nino in the region. Because again, the entries to the parade were dances in honor of or uh, dances that would narrate a story re in relation to Senor Santo Nino. And in terms of it being you know, something of a personal interest. I felt as a child that the dance always talked to me somehow in its own way. Uh, first off, uh, I, I was actually enchanted in a Wiccan sense. When, when, when I say that, I mean, they looked like witches to me at first. And then I would be shocked to see them dancing like this with their long hair, uh, free with their long hair untamed and then later on it it had a different effect on me the dance had a different effect on me in that I would actually imagine myself performing the dance because uh, I wanted long hair as a as a kid I couldn't wear long hair as a kid even though I, I already knew back then that I was a female trapped in a male's body but that dance somehow made me vicariously experience, you know, the feminine charm of the long hair. You know, as you're telling me about it, what's really interesting about your answer is your personal curiosity, which was which you named as your guilty pleasure, uh, can also be explained by your identity, by your gender, and it, it cuts across uh, curiosity and even beyond the scholarship that you have done uh, with regard to hair dance. So moving forward, can you tell us a brief history of the hair dance? Okay, so the person that I was able to interview regarding the hair dance or the choreography of the hair dance was Sir Jesus de Paz. And uh, he was the artistic director and founder of Lady Dance Theater, a local performing arts group. He was actually uh, commissioned to make a performance out of uh, the historical accounts or historical tales of Leyte in the olden times. And he did research with uh, a cultural expert in the region, Sir Antonio Cinco Jr. 
and in their research they found out a lot about you know the the pintados or the ancestors of people from Eastern Visayas who would wear their tattoo as a as a sign of bravery meaning to say if you got a tattoo it meant you were able to kill someone in battle and uh, the people then would be proud to wear a lot of tattoos on their bodies and they also found a lot of information regarding the value of the head hair and how the health and the length of a girl's or a woman's head hair uh, translated to her capability for care and her suitability as a wife, mm -hmm. especially uh, for that of the datu. And you know, there is a certain amount of social capital to that. If you were picked as a wife, especially if you're picked to become the datu's wife. Then he came up with the choreography of the hair dance as a part of Babai Habuscada. Babai Habuscada translates to the woman from Buscada, and Buscada was the old name of Tacloban before it became Tacloban. It's actually an interesting mix of pre-colonial uh, lifestyles coupled with the veneration or devotion to Senor Santo Nino because uh, Senor Santo Nino only became uh, a spiritual figure to uh, the Filipinos during the Spanish colonization era and they had a lot of aspects to the uh, occupation of the pre-colonial Filipinos added in the narrative. So actually uh, the simple narrative of Babae Habuscada is that there is a love triangle between a witch and then a guy she fell in love with at first sight but this guy actually has a female lover and when this witch finds out about the ongoing romance between her love and his lover she became engulfed by rage and that's when she became a vengeful being and that's where the hair dance becomes a huge part in the climax when she punishes the man thinking that the man belongs to her and then there's the intervention of a shaman and that's when you know there is the inclusion of Senor Santo Nino in the narrative. From there, that's actually the, the, the choreography for the hair dance of Leite Dance Theater. And it's usually the crowd favorite in their world tours. But there's also another dance and this is the dance that I frequently watched. And it's the dance of the Leighton National High School a special program for the art students for the Pintados Kasadyaan Festival. So uh, what happened was that uh, Sir Jess de Paz taught one of the teachers of the MAPE department in Leighton National High School, Sir Restituto Manog. And Sir Resti Manog then asked Sir Jess if he could borrow the choreography of the hair dance for the entry of the Alanisha's SPA to the par uh, Pintadas Parade. And initially, their idea was that, ah, okay, since it's researched and they've uh, gathered information re regarding hair 
value to the pre-colonial Filipinos or pre-colonial Eastern Visayans, there was reason or there was a rationalization for the dance to be included in the Pintadas Parade. But eventually, the dance or the performance of the dance was halted because people were starting to question if in fact there was a hair dance. There wasn't a hair dance before, but hair value, hair care was part of the heritage of pre-colonial Eastern Visayans. And the dance only somewhat augmented it. But they wanted a dance to be an authentic dance performed by ancestors. And that's why the reason for the dance to remain in the in the Pintados Kasajan Festival weekend, so the dance was then discontinued. And I'm not sure if it's still being performed today. But in Leyton National High School, it is still being performed as part of their own version of Babay Habuscada. Or they have a dance drama regarding pre-colonial Eastern Visayans, and they include the hair dance there. But in terms of the Pintados Kasajan Festival, I don't remember when the last time the hair dance was performed. That's how the dance moved from the choreography of Sir Jess de Paz to the choreography of Sir Restituto Manog from Leyte Dance Theater to uh, LNHS SPA. Most of the movements in the choreography are actually based on typical movements that you do with your hair, wow. like hair washing. That's or, really interesting. Yeah, yeah, applying sap to your okay. hair. And we still do that until now. Until now, right. yeah. The movements are, are drawn from typical everyday motions mm -hmm. when, when Eastern Visayan women would have to like manage their hair, would have to do their rituals with their hair, their you know, intimate, private, individual rituals with their hair. And, and uh, we know that taking care of our hair cut across um, time and generation and places. So do you know of any cultural performance in the Philippines where hair has a central role? Like, like the role that it is given to hair dance here in Eastern Visayas? What I do know with the hair having a vital role is in a more ordinary context when Sir Jess de Paz actually found out about the Dup Dup Maidens. Dup Dup is a translation, a Waray translation for fire tree. You know the, those trees with the orange, uh, orange tree. red yeah, yeah. Yeah. leaves. Uh, uh, they, they have a season, right? Yes. And during that season, that's when they're very red. Or probably that's when they're actually red. And uh, they were called Dup Dup Maidens because once they get their period and once it's the full moon and the, the fire trees are in full bloom, they get presented to the Datu. And the Datu picks his wife among them. And the, the, the main factor for the selection of the Datu was actually hair length and hair health. Because for him, if you are able to take care of your hair that way, if you're able to make your hair shine and make your hair that long, and according to Sir uh, Jess, the hair length could reach from the ankle up to the floor. That's how long oh. it was. And back then, 
And if you were able to do that, that meant you were going to be able to take care of your husband. And the Dato had many wives. And in his research, uh, Jeste Pass found out in photos that the wives of the Dato always had long hair. And they were presented in a variety of hairstyles. So they have the braid, the rosette, because they had to make a way to tie up the very, very long hair. Yeah, essentially that's when the hair had quite an impact in society before. But in terms of actual cultural performances, I did find two, but outside the Philippines. So one of them was the uh, hair swinging dance of a Chinese tribe called the Wa or Va tribe. And it didn't actually have a narrative in the dance that's comparable to that of uh, the hair dance. And what I found out about that dance is that the Wa people since ancient times up to today valued the hair length most. According to them, uh, they also had their own way of taking care of their hair, but I didn't find any data about the hair serving as, you know, a way for you to gain an upper hand of sorts because you were considered or deemed beautiful by the highest ranking official in your community. <laughs> Something like that. And then the other one is called Kaliji and it's performed in the Middle East. And the hair was a way for them to represent bodies of water and show the beauty of their region. That's how they related with the hair in their community. Here in the Philippines, you would actually notice how folk dances would perceive uh, the head, head hair in terms of actual performances. They always have to be in a bun for practical and aesthetic reasons. So the aesthetic reason we, we understand because we want the hair to be neat when they're performing. Yes. And the practical reason is that they want to avoid accidents when the hair gets in the way or gets a dancer distracted or they get trouble taking away their hair from their eyes in a performance for example if it's a very very wild dance a dance with very very aggressive movements it's really interesting if there really is some other form of a hair dance here in the philippines, in the right? philippines yeah and we, we would be able to compare yes if if they gave, if that particular community for example it's outside eastern reside if they are giving hair that same meaning yeah if they have that same sensibility that mm. yours that he was able to discover in terms mm. of hair dance in Eastern Visayas. But aside from desirability, quote-unquote desirability that you've mentioned earlier, what other sociocultural meanings of hair are present in different communities and in different times uh, in the world, I think? Or even, we can start here in the Philippines. Okay. Well, uh, taking off from the point I just made regarding the perspective of most folk dance choreographers regarding the head hair. The head hair is a sort of uh, a symbolic representation of our colonial experience. Because back then, the head hair was allowed to be long, free, unbound, and loose, 
because of our beauty standards. And then when we got, should I say invaded? Yeah, I will say invaded by the Spaniards. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they invaded us, literally. Yeah. When we got invaded by the Spaniards and they taught us their ways, uh, one of those practices that they made us follow was hair care. And automatically, upon baptism, the Filipinos were told to tie their hair up for the women or cut their hair completely for the men. And it was uh, a way for them to show the people that, ah, okay, I am now a Christian. But at the same time, it was also a way for the Spaniards to, to differentiate between the Filipinos who were not yet baptized from the ones who were. And that's where we got the story of the Aswang. Because if you wanted to resist the Spaniards, you would move away from the from the community, right? You would go to like the mountains, and from the and there, if ever a Filipino happens to like walk by your path, and they see you, and you know there's a stark difference now. There's a Filipino who is now baptized with with neat hair, and then there is the Filipino who still practices the old ways of you know letting the hair grow and seeing the hair uh, as you know a sign of beauty if it's long and unbound and the Spaniards in order for them to strengthen their views upon you know other Filipinos who were not yet converted to Christian to Christianity they would say uh, th look at this this is the monster the monster of your animistic beliefs and how they presented that Christianity is a mono, monotheistic belief, right? And then that, that Jesus Christ, there's only one God. And then uh, for the other side, the pre-colonial beliefs allows you to uh, find spirituality in everything around you, in, in you know, natural occurring things like trees. And that's when they got to tie, tie the idea of the heathen, the, the savage, pre-colonial Filipino with the idea of, you know, being demonic because you're not following Christianity or you're not converting into Christianity. And that's how they got the kids to fear the swang. In, 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 and in, in fact, that's how they instilled the idea that if your hair is disheveled or loose, automatically you're either a crazy woman or an aswang. Yes. And according to Sir Pass, that's how easy it is for you to portray a crazy woman or a witch in a dance because all you have to do is mess up your hair and not wear a bun, go to the dance floor, and that's it. The auto yeah, automatically the, the, the audience members will say, that's a crazy woman. Or, that's Sisa. Mm, yeah. Oh, that's a witch. Mm. So yeah, across time, that's how the hair, the perspective on the hair transformed from being a mark of beauty to being a mark of your uh, devotion to Christianity to then being a presentation of certain archetypes like a crazy woman yes. or a witch. And then now it transforms with the hair dance. Then the hair dance gives us another perspective, another angle, another way of looking at the head hair. And 
people actually do not question. I mean, probably, yeah, that's part of the experience of watching the hair dance. That you, you ask, oh, they're, they're dancing like this. Their hair is messy, but there is a certain beauty to the chaos. The chaotic dance, it may seem chaotic, but there's also beauty. It, it talks to you in some way. It makes you watch and makes you think the dancers are beautiful. The dance is beautiful. That's another change of perspective. That's, that's why uh, the main uh, conceptual framework of my thesis was about the hair being bound and unbound and how perspectives change across time and how the hair dance now gives us a different perspective on the head hair. Whether it's a continuation of pre-colonial meanings with the recognition that our, our Christian beliefs still remain and, and how do we deal with these changes? It's really interesting, really, because every time I watch a performance, I know that hair is not the central element, it's not the focal point, but I tend to notice it. So if you imagine a group of dancers dancing with their hair loose mm -hmm. versus them doing the same choreography with their hair tied, to really create a different impression. Mm. But when you watch a hair dance, I've never I've never seen one, by the way, which leads me to my next question. <laughs> How do you describe the dance? How is it performed really? What preparations are involved and other aspects related to its production? Can you maybe help our listeners and help me imagine uh, what do you do? How are you dancing when you're hair dancing? Okay. Uh uh, but before that, I would like to uh, say something about when you juxtapose a choreography with the hair loose versus when the hair is in a bun or tied up. Yeah, because there are instances, there are folk dances where the hair isn't in a bun. But at the same time, the hair isn't really the focus. Yeah, it's, it, it's not the spectacle. Mm. It's not the main, uh, the main attraction, so to speak. So, but the, the hair adds to the beauty of the, of the, the look, of the yeah. appearance of the dancers. That's why you clip something on mm -hmm. it, or you, you tie something special around it. Or it can make or break a performance. Yeah, but definitely it's not, it's not what you're watching. It's not why you're there for. Uh, about the actual dancing, the hair dance, uh, performed by the Later Dance Theater is part of a dance drama featuring the pre-colonial practices and the community devotion to Senor Santo Nino. And the, in the hair dance, most of the movements mimic everyday hair care routines, such as the application of sap from the roots to the tips for shinier hair. Uh, there is also, you know, uh, dainty steps of washing the hair from one side of the head as water is scooped from a body of water normally it's the river and made to trickle down the length of the hair it's no it's probably something familiar to us because that's what we mostly see in hair commercials when the model has to put her hair to one side and you know just make the viewers uh admire the hair especially since you know the shampoo they're trying to sell makes the hair look beautiful according to the ad 
there's also a, a series of steps that involve a kind of tying of the hair. So with one swift grab, the hair is held by both hands, one over the other, as though to prepare the hair for a high ponytail. So it's like them bowing down their heads first, and then holding their hands, and then going back upright with hands to the hair. And then the dancer lifts her head back to an upright position, remembering not to let go of the hair. Then they continue with crab-like leg work on either side of the body. Like they sidestep to the right, and then they sidestep to the left, and then do, do the same uh, footwork. Then the highlight of this dance is when one of the main dancers, the witch, is enraged. Enraged by her discovery of the romance between the man she fell in love with at first sight and his mortal lover. So she possesses the village women and use their hair as whips. So they perform a violent dance where the head hair appears to be in a trance. So the head hair itself appears like it's out of control. And then you know that the women are actually possessed by the witch. So the women are like the extensions of the witch. They then whip their hair back and forth as though to punish the male lead dancer who is, who is the uh, character who the witch fell in love with as though punishing him for not loving the witch. Now, as for the LNHS SPA dance, it's rather simple. The hair being whipped forward and backward repeatedly at the same time is the main movement in terms of the dance prominent features. So both versions make use of props that contribute to the appearance of the head hair. Now, for the version of the Lady Dance Theater, for example, the women are portrayed with large storage jars on their heads to depict the kind of work that women did in pre-colonial Eastern Visayas. And this meant that the ladies had their hair in buns during the sequence with the large jars. They then reveal their long hair for the rest of the dance drama following their routine with the storage jars. And then for the LNHS SPA, they accompany their dance with soft brooms with shorter handles. So the soft brooms then aid with the overall impact of the dance with the fluid movements of both the brooms and the head hair. As for general preparation, according to Sir Jess de Paz, the dancers were forbidden from getting a haircut long before rehearsals for the dance were underway. Since they knew when the hair dance was going to be part of their performances, the dancers were asked to keep their hair healthy and long so as to ensure the dance captivated the audience with just the collective look of the head hair. Okay. So, ang dami, ang dami palang kailangan ni prepare, no? That's... Uh... <laughs> How complicated the, the dance is. That yeah. you're, but how long does the hair uh, usually grow up to a, grow a, up, a, a viable yeah. length? Yeah. Or a length that's suitable Fit for, for the, the performance? I, I remember that they said they had to keep their hair long for a duration of six months. If they want to commit to be performing the hair dance. So it should be at least um, below the shoulder? Ah, okay. Yeah, it has to be uh, below the shoulder. And preferably somewhere just waist right above height. the waist. Oh, okay. Or so by wrong. the waistline. Yeah. yeah, that's wrong. So based on the results of your research, what is the meaning of the performance to the performers, community, and audience or outsiders? Because we have been talking about uh, the choreographers, but, but 
what does it mean to be part of a hair dance? To be one of the dancers? Mm-hmm. And to, to watch it from the audience perspective? It's interesting because the dancers are from Leyte, at the very least. Not necessarily from Tacloban, but the, these dancers are students of Leyte National High School. That means they were based in Tacloban during their performance and of the hair dance. And because of that, you can connect these hair dancers genetically to you know the ancestors who were, were who valued the hair to such a point that they would want to take care of it for the sake of you know remaining beautiful to the eyes of the male members of their community and for them to also gain social capital by being you know be becoming a wife and the highest price of for them is you know being chosen to be the dapu's wife so the dance could draw a detached kind of familiarity for the Eastern Visayan communities. And the dance would attract the attention of the audience members from the local communities, even though they would have a variety of interpretation as to the character being portrayed by the hair dancers. So still, there was more of a connection between the locals than with foreign audiences, even as Sir Jesse Pass would say that the foreigners would always ask more about the hair dance more than any other uh, dance in their suite. So the difference could be in the way the dance is connected more with meaningful and deeper connotations that may have not been contextualized by the dance drama itself, but by recurring observation among the local viewers. So to put it more concretely, to a foreigner, the hair dance is a dance of beautiful maidens right mm-hmm. and or it's it could be a dance of a group of women possessed by a vengeful witch to an eastern visayan the hair dancer could be a performance of sisa the archetypal crazy woman in filipino stories the witch their guardian told them about the skits or the weird woman who hears mass regularly who keeps her hair long and you know you just find it weird that they do so so that could be the association, the, the, the variety of associations an Eastern Visayan or a Filipino would have for the hair dancers as opposed to a foreigner. Now, there is that connection with the head hair made apparent by a disconnected perspective. So you, get, you are connected by being disconnected, which isn't entirely rationalized by a lack of personal experience with attraction or even just you know, regular exposure to the sight of long head hair. But I think it is actually enriched uniquely by the stories passed down contrasting its beauty. So I think we're connected because we find uh, that, that how we are attracted to the dance happening as we see or watch the performance of the hair dance is quite different from the stories that we were accustomed to about the head hair. That Ah, man, the manananggal has long hair, long tongue, and the body gets says, ripped in half when she's about to devour something. Sisa has this kind of hair. So our stories as growing up and then meets a certain kind of disconnection with the kind of hair performed in a dance 
for a festival that you are supposedly celebrating as a member of the region, right? Mm-hmm. So then you got you ask, ah, it's part of the Pintados Kasadian Festival, probably. Or why is it important until now? Yeah. Why 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 are we? Why I as an audience, why do I still have to watch the hair dance? Yeah. Or as coming from from a family of hair dancers, why do I still have to participate? Well, do I still have to perform, de ba? Mm-hmm. And 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 your presence in the performance then makes you ask, ah, okay, this is probably related to my roots. Yeah. I probably had this kind of uh perspective of the head hair before. Which now I am questioning because I've known different meanings of the hair growing up yes. in in you know in in or yeah during the, these times, and it differs from the way I see the performance valuing the hair or presenting the hair as a spectacle. So in these narratives, we find a history hushed by colonial experience and the unfamiliarity only achieves a connection that was deliberately stopped. So even the hair dancers or the, the performers of the hair dance have a connection, have a genetic and have ancestral mm-hmm. connection with the dance uh, by virtue of our ancestors actually having a certain degree of value for the hair before. So yeah, that's, that's the interesting connection that meets a kind of unfamiliarity or disconnection during the watching of the dance that you then make sense eventually. And then you say, ah, okay, so the context of this dance is pre-colonial, is, it's set in pre-colonial times. The context of this dance is that it ties with our previous uh, occupation or livelihood as Eastern Visayans. So probably the head hair had a certain value to us before that is now being shifted or changed by our current beliefs. But do you think the importance of showcasing the dance remains despite uh, the fact that hindi na siya perform? Yes, and I think that's the beauty of the intervention of performances because performances are made to highlight things that you wouldn't ordinarily notice. Yes, correct. If, if you think about it, hair care and hair valuing or the standards of beauty that involve the long head hair should be a part of our uh, current consciousness as Eastern Visayans because we, we, our ancestors had that. And I think it's only, uh, what's this? It's only normal and it's, it's a must for us to be aware of that. And if we're not, that's the use of the dance. The yes. performance is there to make us realize that head hair had an enough value for it to actually be showcased in regional dances. Mm-hmm. And even though the choreography makes for, you know, an artistic uh, assist, an artistic rendition of something you ordinarily do at home, mm-hmm. still, the, important, the importance of the dance or the importance of performing it is that you highlight it and you notice it and you talk about it afterwards. Correct. The, the talking about it and then the hope that it will propel more studies yes. about the hair dance. It's really interesting. Any last words for our listeners? I think that is my last question. Okay, last words. I think I just 
want us all to see the value of performances, especially uh, now that we are not able to really gather for you know live shows like yes, performances, right. theatrical performances, or other cultural performances, except that we actually had the Sangyao Festival, the parade, just this year. Yeah, that was actually the, the return of the parades uh, since the ECQ. And that's something that we should all uh, look forward to from, from here on. But again, I want to highlight the importance of performances because as they spectacularize, you know, these simple things that we do on a daily basis, uh, the effect on us as viewers, uh, the, the important effect on us as viewers is that we question. And the moment we question, that's the moment we tackle or we discuss issues. Like an issue like, why is the hair dance not included in the Pintadas Casanian Festival anymore? Through performances, we can also uh, talk about other issues like political issues, social issues, uh, domestic issues yes. that seem to be neglected or seem to be uh, underrated, understated because of their lack of spectacularization. And I think that's the beauty of cultural performances in how we tend to make things larger than life. And then we're not trying to uh, exaggerate them. We are trying to make the people notice. And when they notice, that's when they start talking. And that, I think, is a good thing. And another point about the hair that I want to add is how it becomes a medium to uh, showcase the collective history and cultural memory among the Eastern Visayans. So it does so, or the hair does, or the hair becomes a medium to showcase the collective history and cultural memory among the Eastern Visayans by means of spectacle. So without the spectacle, the head hair only disappears behind practical concerns for performing. Such happens in folk dances and it could also be muted as a stereotypical quality for a cheap audience reaction. The head hair becomes a spectacle deserving of attention and recognition, regardless what that recognition is for, because the seeing of the head hair and the witnessing of the hair dance warps the appearance or warp the appearance of the head hair into that of its pre-colonial uh, should I say glory days, it might not occur instantly or it might not occur at all as the dance has taken a much longer time in the shelf. But I am confident though that when it does make a comeback, the reception would just be as mixed or as, you know, there will always be that confusion over how to feel about the head hair being presented in a spectacular way and that only underlines the point of cultural memory all the more. Uh, maybe there are listeners out there who would want to pursue a being communication arts program. And we actually have three strands right now. Yes, we have um, literature and creative writing. We have theater arts and then we have media arts. And Malu is actually teaching 
under the media arts strand. Yes. I'm handling courses under the theater arts strand. Or our listeners might also be interested to explore uh, performances in Eastern Visayas in particular. You know, hair dance is just uh, one. one. Yeah. Uh, we also have a number of other performances that also traces back to our ancestors or to even before we were born, yeah. uh, even before, particularly even before COVID. It seems like we are, we are in a COVID state for one million years now. <laughs> That's correct. Uh, and... In our school, in UP Tacloban, we actually have the latest Summer Heritage Center, which allows us to showcase or, 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 or have studies uh, related to performances like the hair dance. And hopefully, we will have like, more collaborations with our listeners who might want or who might be interested to know more about the Eastern Visayan history, culture, and heritage. So, yes. And uh, thank you very much to our listeners. This has been Toko Chronicles, the official podcast of the Folklore Studies Program of the College of Social Sciences and Philosophy in the University of the Philippines, Diliman. Once again, this has been Popo and Malu. Thank you and have a good day. Thank you, everyone. Have a good day.